Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Dr. Michelle Andrews, Senior Director of Professional Affairs for CooperVision North America. First of all, I want to thank you and CooperVision for being platinum sponsors for the first WO Leadership Summit. That was a, a great event, and you were almost there. <laughs> well, I was there in St. Louis, um, just unfortunately missed the event. Um, about an hour after I arrived, I learned that my son, who was playing a basketball game at the time, had a knee injury, which turned out to be a, a broken, uh, broken leg. Oh. Um, and so I quick took the first flight back home to Chicago, um, but my team, Dr. Jennifer Palumbi, um, stepped up and, and was able to support the event. So he's fine. Um, she did great, and I appreciate the opportunity to uh, be here uh, yeah. today. That was, that was wonderful. And in fact, it, it, it became a little bit of, of sort of the theme. You know, you just, you never know what happens, right? I mean, life happens despite your plans, and uh, I'm sure Dr. Palumbi wasn't expecting to, to step into that uh, limelight, but did it masterfully, and uh, it, was, it was terrific. And, and so that, we're going to continue that conversation on leadership, um, and, and, uh, because sometimes it's thrust, uh, thrust upon you, right? <laughs> so did you go looking for leadership, or did leadership find you? Yeah, certainly in that case, I think leadership found me, um, you know, but in general, um, I think my experience is that leadership has found me, but I also think there was a, a willingness there to, uh, to, to jump in and, and participate in that and take advantage of those situations. Um, you know, I, th- I think back to um, when I was a child, and one of the things that we used to play was um, teacher you know, we play school with a lot of my friends, and, and I was the teacher. And so I don't know if there's something that goes back to, to those early times where you find opportunities that just seem to fit. Um, but for me, leadership is, is, has a lot of basis in teaching. And so I think as, if I think about it, there's probably some elements there that I was naturally attracted to mm-hmm. um, when those opportunities presented themselves. Well, how do you recognize those opportunities? Because sometimes leadership isn't, hey, take charge of this project. Yeah. One of the best examples um, that I've seen in leadership that was probably the most um, unexpected um, was on an airplane, actually after getting off an airplane. You know those small jets where you have to leave your suitcase Mm -hmm. at the the jet bridge and you you get onto the airplane, then you come out and everyone lines up to get their bag. And it's probably the worst part of the flight is you're, you're done and you want to go and you have to wait for your bag. And if you're the last one off the flight, you're all the way in the back. And it's very frustrating. And so one day as I'm waiting, and I was closer to the front, so I got to see this entire thing happen. And the gentleman who was bringing the bags out made an announcement to everyone in the jet bridge that he was going to describe the bag. And then the owner of the bag would just come forward and pick up the bag. And you could just feel like you could sense it in the, in, the, in the jet bridge. Everyone's thinking, are you serious? They're all 22-inch roller boards. Like, what? They're all black. How is he going to do this? And one by one, he brought those bags out and found a unique characteristic of every single bag, such that the only person that came forward to get the bag was the owner of the bag. I've never seen anything like it. And in seven minutes, he had cleared the jet bridge, and everybody was laughing. And my takeaway was this. 
people probably wouldn't think of, of that person in his role as a leader. But he found a situation that nobody liked, that was painful for everyone, probably including him, and he solved it. Right. And so I think the easiest place to start is right where you are. And, and if you're looking for ways to make a difference, you don't have to start with the biggest thing. You can start with those things that impact the everyday. It might be your everyday. It might be someone else's everyday. Mm-hmm. Um, and start there. That's interesting because you're right. I mean, and, and, and do it creatively as, as this fella did because to, to come up with different ways of describing, you know, 30 identical bags or relatively identical bags is really clever. Well, and one of the things um, that I've learned just over the years is that the answers are typically closest to the problems. And so by asking the people who do that every day, so if you think about optometrists in practice, the people that have the most input on how to solve a particular problem with patient flow or billing or, or the phones or whatever technology piece are probably the people that do it every day. Mm-hmm. And giving them an opportunity and facilitating that and helping give them that voice, I think can really make a difference. During the summit, our keynote speaker, Amina Altai, talked about being your authentic self. One of the things that she talked about was that you can't be successful personally, professionally, if you're not true to who you are. How do you incorporate that authenticity in, into leadership? That is such a great point. Because when I think about in my early career and I enjoyed leadership roles, I was looking for the role model. Um, more specifically, I was looking for the answer. I think I probably could have skipped over the role model if I just had the answer. Like, who am I supposed to be? How am I supposed to show up? What? Just tell me what to do, and I'll yeah. do it. Yeah. And I couldn't find it. Um, and it took actually a number of years to figure out that um, the most effective leaders um, are who they are, and they find a way through their own um, their own style to get the best out of other people. Um, and there isn't one right way. And if you think about all the people that you would say are leaders or role models or mentors or people that you admire and you would, you would put them on the list, they're probably more dissimilar than they are alike. And so for me, it was recognizing that the goal was not to um, really be a certain way, but the goal was to get the best out of the people that I lead. And when I shifted the focus from who am I supposed to be to how do I help them achieve, then it became very much focused on, on those who were actually um, on the team or part of the group as opposed to, to me, which is, I, was a really important turning point for me. But the feature story was about Benjamin Zander, who is the conductor for the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. And his epiphany um, was, the conductor doesn't make a sound. And I remember back then pulling that out and saying, this is it, right? It's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's about how do I get all of these people to to, um, achieve whatever it is that we're trying to achieve. And if you think about music, some pieces of that require a little bit more from this person, a little bit less, mm-hmm. right? It's never perfectly balanced, but it's always about the group and getting the best out of the group. And so that's something I held on to 
way back way back when because for me it helped me it helped me say it's not about me it's about it's about the team so practically how how does that play out how do you pull that out of other people yeah i think one of the things that's important um, is to be conscious of the value of them learning for themselves um, i had to learn that for myself and anything that i've done that i'm most proud of if i step back and think about it it's I was given the task and I figured it out. Mm -hmm. And I may have asked for help along the way, but I could take ownership for that from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so a big piece of it is saying, I have confidence in you and I'm here and, and you can set up whatever touch points or check-ins or whatever it is that you need, but people want to accomplish things. People want to do things and they want to know that you're there for them. And not in a, I'm going to tell you how to do it kind of way, but uh, I believe in you and I know you can do it kind of way. I have a personal story that really um, brought this home for me at work. I have a um, 15-year-old son now, but when he was 12, um, he said, I, I want to play basketball full year round. He's at his um, primary sport is basketball, and that's the one he broke his leg um, doing. But he plays basketball all year round. So as he's going into junior high, he said, Mom, I want to take Spanish. And I said, well, that's it, what they call zero period. So before school starts, you have to go to school an hour earlier. He says, Mom, I got that. So this is about June time frame. I said, okay, basketball's late at night, Spanish in the morning, we're good. He then gets to school and says, Mom, everybody's signing up for soccer. I want to play soccer. I said, well, when are you going to play soccer? And he said, well, soccer's from 3.30 to 5, and then basketball's from 6 to 8. Mm -hmm. And I said, but you're running out of time. He said, but everyone's doing it. And then, of course, by the end of that week, he said, Mom, I, I really think concert choir would be good. <laughs> I said, well, when's concert choir? And he said, during study hall. And I said, so let me get this straight. You have an extra class first thing in the morning with no study hall, and you're going to be playing sports from 3.30 in the evening until 8 o'clock at night. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, I see how it works. And I thought to myself, okay, I can be the person that tells him which one of these things he can't do. Mm -hmm. Or I could take a different approach. And my husband thought I was crazy. My husband said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to let him do everything. And he said, why? And I said, because he's a 12-year-old boy and I know him well. And he's not going to respond to me telling him no. Mm -hmm. So this is a great opportunity for him to experience what this feels like. And then next semester, he might make different choices. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, there was some rough days, but didn't he pull it off? He <laughs> pulled it off, and he pulled it off beautifully. And those nights where it was a struggle, the struggle was real, and we worked through that, and I helped him, and he had to make some tough choices, and there were some quizzes he probably would have wished he had a do-over. But we got through that year, and at the beginning of eighth grade, he said, Guess what I'm signing up for, Mom? And he did it all over again. Mm. And if I had not, if I had stepped in and applied what I thought he was capable of, right. I would have held him back. And so that, it was, it's that experience that reminds me that if someone had told me no, or I had told him no, what would everybody have lost? Right. He, did, he did great. And people probably are capable of way more than sometimes we think. So what's the strategy for somebody who is with 
a no-sayer. You know, I mean, how do you how do you get to to stretch your wings um, in in an uh, in an optometry practice, for example? I mean, what what are the what are the ways that we can all cultivate leaders? Yeah, I think so. For someone who's in a practice and they're they're um, struggling with that, um, you can either identify identify something on your own where others in the practice are struggling with it, maybe the owner of the practice doesn't even recognize and bring that to their attention and, and create that solution or, or find that solution. Um, the other thing is to just ask directly. You know, I really have a passion for training or I really have a passion for the patient experience and I'd really like to, to, to bring something to you that looks kind of like this. And, and whatever um, is relevant to that practice um, can become relevant to the owner. Mm-hmm. I think the important thing um, in all of these decisions is understanding what the decision maker um, is looking for, how to approach that person. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, the, if that person believes that there's a trade-off that they're not willing to take or accept. So, for example, I'm not going to see, I'm going to see three patients less a day because I'm going to be working on X. Mm -hmm. Um, That probably won't fly. But if it's, hey, productivity is not going to change. I'm so passionate about this. I want to do this in my off time. I'm going to do this on my lunch hour. I'm going to show you how it can improve productivity. Um, Sometimes at the beginning, that's how these things start, is, Mm -hmm. is the person who is really driving it has to maybe go a little bit beyond the 50-yard line at the beginning to, to demonstrate um, what they're capable of and, and where the value is. Mm-hmm. Do you see in other people characteristics of, of leadership? I mean, is it sort of, is it, is, I don't want to say is everyone a leader because not everyone can be a leader in all things, but I guess is maybe leadership isn't an, an all or nothing kind of thing either. I don't think it is. Um, you know, I think about, when I think about the people that um, I most admire, if I dig down, there's really some, some very specific things that I admire. And mm-hmm. so when I look across the, the years that I've been um, in practice and, and in the industry, there are certain people that I would say, oh, this person taught me this, and this person mm-hmm. taught me that. And I think cultivating that and looking for that and, and then making that your own and applying it in the way you see fit, I think that's important. I don't know that we're going to find one person mm-hmm. who, who is everything um, because I think sometimes we don't, we're not even sure what we're looking for until we see it. And we're like, oh, that, that's, I'm going to use that. I'm going to mm-hmm. borrow that. That would help me here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not found one single source. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. I think at the beginning <laughs> I was kind of looking for that. Uh, yeah. I really did. I thought, well, somebody must be the person that I can, um, that I can emulate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really is more of a collection of experiences and ideas and application of those that says, okay, that works for me. Which is interesting because I hear that so often talking to optometrists who say, you know, I got this from this job and this from this position and I learned this here and that has all helped me practice, approach patients, educate, whatever it is in, yeah. in the way that I do. And, and I think, you know, maybe we need to look for those, for those leadership qualities in people too and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to collect, I'm going to tear that one out of the magazine and hold on to it. 
Yeah, I, I think so, because I think the further, um, the further you go into a career or the further you take your practice, the questions you have to answer um, or the, the things that you want to achieve maybe don't have easy answers. You know, if, if you want to uh, add a new re- revenue stream or bring another service to your practice, um, there may be some who have gone before you, but you may be the trailblazer. Mm-hmm. And so it would be great to just Google it, but it's probably not there. And so you have to rely on all those other elements that you've learned or honed or experiences and things that you've done over the years to figure out how to ask the right questions, to bring people in, recognize when, when you don't have the expertise. Um, and all of that comes from experience because, you know, I think about all the new technology and the new things in eye care. There's not great answers for those things yet. It's, it's us. It's the people that are taking on those challenges now that are going to create the roadmap for optometrists, you know, in five or ten years. And is that Cooper Vision's interest? I mean, you, you came and you, you became the platinum sponsor for the, for the WL leadership thing. And it wasn't just, you know, because we're nice people, you know. Which you are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what made Cooper Vision say, this is, this is a, 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 a market, a, a, a group of people that we want to be in front of? Well, first of all, um, the event is the first of its kind. And the idea that women in optometry was thinking bigger and looking to provide a voice and a vehicle for networking um, for women in optometry and those that support women in optometry I think is really important. Um, Women, um, like everyone, need to see themselves in leadership positions. Mm -hmm. They need to be networking with people who understand and, and share their stories and can understand their stories and help them continue to be successful. Um, we certainly um, are proud of our investment, um, and, it, and I think the event is reflective of our commitment to make sure that we're cultivating leadership and new thinking and new ideas everywhere that we can find it. I think there's, there's as much diversity in, in leadership as there any, is anywhere else. I mm-hmm. think, you know, there's certainly heightened sensitivity for those groups, including women who may be underrepresented mm-hmm. in some industries. Um, I joined this industry when um, the graduation rate of women in optometry was probably half of what it is now. And so to have um, come through that and watch that um, and been a part of that is is really exciting. Um, but there's value, I think, to all the perspectives. And, and that's where um, I think supporting all kinds of diversity in leadership, including women in leadership, is important because it is those experiences that bring that insight. When we're looking to solve something new, that refreshing perspective, that different set of eyes, that person that brings something that no one else thought about, those contributions matter. Mm -hmm. And the broader that net, the wider that net, the greater likelihood that we'll have a better outcome. Dr. Andrews, thank you so much for for being here. I really appreciate your time and your insights. Wonderful. It's great being here. Thank you again. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, 
or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.